Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. What's up, everybody? This is Kurt Dimer, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us.
Kurt Dimer, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hey, thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate it very much, man. It's great to have you now. I'm really looking forward to diving into the chat where we have a lot to talk about. So you released Doom back in August. It's a hell of a song and the video is amazing. You wrote it for your upcoming movie, Hellbilly Hollow. What can you tell us about it? Well, Hellbilly Hollow is a project that I started a couple of years ago. I was in the movie Halloween uh, that came out in 2018. And while I was sitting on the set of that movie, uh, waiting for my kill, kill scene, I'm one of the few killed by the real Michael Myers from the John Carpenter franchise. So that's, that's really quite an honor. <laughs> I'm sitting there talking with James Jude Courtney, my friend who played Michael Myers, and uh, I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm going to do my own horror franchise. I love this. This was the second movie I was cast in. And I'm like, I'm going to do my own. So we, uh, I got with another actor, Kevin Wayne, who I knew from Alabama, who I'd done some smaller stuff with after the first movie I was in called Trading Paint uh, with John Travolta. And we just we knew he had this hellbilly hollow idea and it's an actual place in alabama that's uh, like a halloween scare attraction so we uh, wrote a script came up with creative kills in the beginning of this franchise kind of in the vein of how halloween the first one so long ago was done you know on a low budget and uh just putting forth you know putting uh forth uh, that movie that became so epic and classical, and that's why 18 came out. So uh, that that was how we got together to do Hellbilly Hollow, and then our final scene is so epic, and a lot of my songs for my music are in the movie on the soundtrack. So I had written a new song a couple years ago that um, would be appropriate for a cool ending of a horror movie, but I also wanted to, you know, because there's doom in horror movies, but I also like to write about life and uh, things I witnessed and have seen in my life and try to help people think. So I wrote kind of about the doom of horror in addition to the doom of what drug addiction can do to people and incorporated the two together to share that message with everyone. But that's how that came about. Nice, nice. And you know, something I was wondering is how do you approach writing a song for a movie as opposed to just a song for music? Is there much of a difference? Well, uh, Doom, I just wrote, I knew I needed something cool for the, move, for the movie, but I didn't write it per se for the movie because I, I always wanted to share the message about addiction, heroin addiction, cocaine, and any, anything, any drug that somebody's addicted to, opioids, or what it can do to you. So it just kind of fit together in my brain at the time. But um, it's a great question because I have another movie I just shot in March that I star in with Lynn Shea and Bill Mosley from... Bill Mosley from the Rob Zombie movies and Lynn Shea from Insidious and something about Mary and Kingpin and all those. So we star in this movie called Scared to Death that should be coming to theaters next year. And on that movie, I wrote the score, the not the score, I didn't score the, the sound of the movie, but I wrote the song for the movie and it's actually called Scared to Death. And it does relate to the movie and what goes on in the movie. So it was a totally different process. But it's a killer, badass song that, uh, you know, once the movie comes out, it'll come out on the soundtrack and we, we'll play it live eventually when we have more room to do a theatrical performance, because that's eventually where I'm headed. And uh, it'll be so fucking amazing. And it's a wicked song. So Doom, I didn't write for the movie, per se. 
scared to death I did. So it just depends. That's right. I get you. And you know, how do you approach, I don't want to sound like a job interview now, but how do you approach your time management? I mean, you're a singer, director, actor, and a businessman. How do you find the time to fit everything in? Well, my business has pretty much run themselves now. I, put, I mean, I started my companies in 99 and uh, they, I've got a, a bulk blending uh, plant where I make all my own oil up in Pennsylvania that runs itself. And then I've got in my other company, Coolance Plus, that distributes Starfire, which is my oil brand all over the world. So I built those companies, put my sweat and tears in there while I was raising my boys and just uh, didn't take no for an answer from anybody. Everybody told me I couldn't do it. I built them. Now they run like clockwork and I make the big decisions if needed because I have a right hand man who runs everything there in Ward and uh, he, he knows He's been with me since 2005 and he knows how to run the whole thing or I never could have left it. So once I got into the trading paint uh, paint movie, I decided I'm going to get back into my creative side that I suppressed at a young age to raise a family and get married and uh, go back and do what I wanted to do. And uh, that's what I'm doing. And I, I juggle it fine as long as I, the schedule's out. Uh, our tours are getting booked more in advance now that we've become bigger. So I can manage that schedule and then pick and choose when I can shoot a film and I schedule in that time and then they know I can't be on the road. But it's really not a lot for me to juggle stuff because I'm a, a guy who's went after everything in life, done everything everybody told me I couldn't do. And it just doesn't phase me and all. I'm, I just it doesn't bother me. So that's one thing I've heard about you, actually. Your work ethic is unmatched. Well. You can have all the talent in the world, and maybe I have a little bit or whatever. I'm creative. Uh, my voice is different. But if you don't work hard, talent is worth nothing. So and I don't think enough people realize if you just have a good hard work ethic, you can accomplish pretty much anything you want in life. You, when people knock you down, though, you got to get back up. You can't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. And that's how I am. It's very true. It's very true. It reminds me of something I'm always saying. If you work long and hard enough at something you're good at, good things will happen. Yeah, and that's it. And you can't, if you, when you're going to get beat up in this life, I mean, it's just people, there's going to be people who don't like you, people who like you, pe people who are jealous because you do work hard and you've accomplished things, people who envy you. It's a lot of negativity in the world and you just got to compartmentalize all that and just let it be what it is and then you continue to follow your dream and don't let that beat you up exactly exactly and you know back in september you went on tour with skid row and book cherry how did that tour go oh it was that was amazing man we uh got a lot more new fans and uh skid row and the guys and the buck cherry guys were great and then we did some other shows with just buck cherry one up into montana that was badass all the people up there are awesome and the dakotas and great tour great blend of bands it was just our three bands uh, on when it was all three of us and it was just a great rock show for people and it got people to to see music they have known for years and years but then people got to hear us when we came out and you know i'm still who the fuck is kurt dimer people don't know you know all over the world like they do skid row or a buck cherry or a disturbed or any big band even bigger bands but we're getting there and because of their kindness and letting us go out on that tour with them we just keep building fans everywhere we go and things are growing at a rapid pace because 
I've only been touring about two years and a month right now. Oh man, <laughs> going straight to the top in such a short time. Uh, time, time, time is of the essence, man. We're not getting any younger. So, <laughs> very true, very true. And you're currently on tour with Mushroom Head. How's that tour going? It's going good. A totally different dynamic. Uh, we've got four four bands, or not band, well, three bands: Flash Creek, us, Mushroom Head. Uh, we're second on the bill, but in between us and Mushroom Head, it's the Hells of Poppin' Circus or uh, Sideshow, you know, kind of the freak show thing. And uh, so it's a unique bill. But since I'm in horror and we're featuring Doom and Doom's out right now being pushed on radio, it, my booking agent felt it would be a great opportunity to go out and showcase everything that I do to fans, that, to people that are really fans of that kind of vibe. And it's been great. For October and uh, we're going to finish this run the end of the month and we've already got stuff booking up for the first of the year and going to finish my soul my debut uh, album double album here in November and uh, film some stuff for my character and scared to death the grog and uh, all kinds of cool shit happening but it's been a great run it's different it's a smaller club run but we're right up there with the people and right in their face and I go out into the crowd and it's it's been a blast yeah, it sounds it. And you know, you're you're actually playing a gig tonight. And I'd love if you could give us some insights into what your day looks like today when you have such a, a big gig tonight. Well, we got a gig here up at the Annex in Wisconsin. And here's the dilemma today. It's the stages. We can barely get everybody's stuff up there. So we're trying to figure out room. The merch area is small. It's going to be a packed house, but it holds about 250 people. So it's going to be quite a, a raucous uh, night, but you have to navigate where you're going to put this, Where, especially when you have all the all the stuff that Mushroom Head has and all the props and the, the circus sideshow and all their props. And, I mean, I, tonight I just said to my tour manager, hell, we'll just stand up there like a quartet. I don't care. I'll go out <laughs> in the crowd, whatever. I, you know, whatever gets everybody going it's a rock show and in rock there's no rules there's no limits and uh we're just going to go rock it out but right now they're setting up inside i'll try to figure out am i going to go to the hotel am i going to do this where am i going to eat where <laughs> by about we go on to 7 45 once 6 45 hits i'm in the zone and i'm ready to go and then i just get my head head ready to to go out there and entertain the crowd and rock it out so it's it's quite a chaotic day, especially when you're trying to figure out how how to have room on the stage. So, yeah, yeah, and you're playing another gig tomorrow. There's no day for rest, and it's in a completely different place. Will you be traveling all night with little sleep? Yeah, what we'll do, like we played St. Louis on uh, Tuesday. Um, I can't even remember where we played. Oh, last night we were in uh, Hobart, Indiana. And we did that show, and then we get on the bus at two. And I woke up today in Wisconsin, thankfully in a McDonald's parking lot, so I could get a McDonald's Coke. <laughs> and uh, we headed on over to the venue. Now we play the Annex in Wisconsin, and I think we head to Bloomington, Illinois tomorrow. Which, by the way, I graduated high school in Chicago, and I went my first year of college was actually in Bloomington, Illinois State. So we're going back to where I lived in 19 uh, in the mid 80s and went to college and uh, it's going to be cool to be back in that town and then we'll head from there to joliet and then we'll head from there to michigan and it's all weekend uh, it's 
no day off this week, which is kind of unusual, but you just knock it out. You do what you got to do. Exactly. Exactly. Do you find it hard to keep your voice on top notch when you've no days off, no break in between? No, it actually helps my voice more, but I'm not the kind of singer that's trying to, uh, what do I say? Hit high notes and all. I, I stay in my lane. I stay in my comfort zone. Uh, my voice has become much stronger in the last couple of years since I got back into music after such a long layoff. And I have way more range now and stuff, but I don't ever push it to where it's going to do any damage to my voice. And I purposely write and stay in lane because I think that's the best product I give to uh, the fans to just be me and not try to be something I'm not. So my voice stays strong all the time. Good to hear. Good to hear. And, you know, the podcast is called Concerts That Made Us. So I have to ask you some concert related questions. As a concert goer, what concerts would you say have made you? Well, what makes me do what I'm doing now, um, I saw ACDC. I love how the, his voice, uh, you know, Bon Scott, all the way back to Bon and Brian, just how they stay in their lane. They sing the way they sing. They're not trying to be somebody they're not. So that left a big impression on me. Ozzy left a big impression on me. I saw Ozzy and Randy Rhodes before Randy passed away. Um, and just the theatrics, which I'm going to bring into mind once I headline. Um, and Van Halen, I saw the uh, uh, Fair Warning Tour. And just how they are unique and did what they do. I mean, hell, their first support tour was with Black Sabbath. So you go to a Black Sabbath show and then this Van Halen comes out with David <laughs> Lee Roth kicking his legs. You know, the great Eddie, Eddie uh, Van Halen, God rest his soul, and just unheard of guitarmanship. And uh, they stayed true to who they were. So those three bands uh, really left a big impression on me. And I've seen a lot of concerts, but it taught me I can just be me, have my own unique style of music, bring it to the world. At first, it may not catch on, but when it does, it's going to, and then people are going to be tripping, and we're going to go all over the world, and we're going to rock out the way I do it. Brilliant, brilliant. And you know, when you think of your own gigs that you've played, is there one that sticks out in your mind as maybe the best experience you've had overall? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, we've had some really good gigs in this small two-year period, Um I would say the night I got to, the first one would be uh, my dream was to play at the whiskey. I went to L.A. in 2020. I said, someday I'm going to play the whiskey. So I played the whiskey uh, actually November of 2021. So it wasn't much after <laughs> I promised myself to cross that off the list. And then we did the Rainbow Rooms 50th anniversary. That was uh, another, uh, you know, goal. And uh then I guess as far as other shows outside of that area, as we've progressed, we've done some epic shows with Tesla. We did one at the Brady Center in my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and it was an epic night. Had the whole crowd going everywhere. Um, we've had several great shows with Tesla. And we did a show, actually, that really surprised me down in Paducah, Kentucky with Skid Row and Buck Cherry. And just this huge place just packed in. It, I, we lit up the whole room. We played What You're Saying. And just the crowd was uh, just phenomenal and just got so many new fans. So those are some of my highlight moments. But uh, we've had some epic shows so far. And I'm very blessed to have been able to do that in such a short amount of time. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now I always say you have to have the good with the bad. So without mentioning names, is there any gigs that in your entire time playing gigs maybe didn't go so well? And how did you overcome them? You want me to not name names? Right? Well, if you want to name names, you can. I don't mind. Well, I, I've been fortunate that I really haven't had any weird bad tours or anything. Um, we went out on one run and with a bunch of other bands, and it just wasn't really the right vibe for us. And we had some conflicts, so we had to pass on the second leg of the run. And I just it bit the bullet because it didn't make financial sense. So that was a negative experience. Um, and and we went out, we've been out with another band and uh, where we didn't have much room on the stage and the the headliner really didn't give a shit about anybody else that was out playing with them. So that whole tour just had kind of a negative vibe to it. But other than that, everything's been going great. Good, good. And, you know, when it comes to showtime then, just beforehand, do you have any pre-show or post-show rituals? How do you psych yourself up and then how do you wind down afterwards? I always make sure the half hour, hour and a half before I get everything on for the most part that I'm going to wear, except for maybe my shirt. So I know all that's off my brain. An hour before, I'll pour myself a big styrofoam cup of ice and water and a little Grey Goose and mix that up and just start sipping on it. I'll start clearing my throat, spitting like a motherfucker, um, doing all that till about 30 minutes before the show. Then I'll finish getting my stuff on. And 15 minutes before the show, as I'm continuing to have a little vodka and water, at a leisurely pace then i go into the back of the bus and i have a keyboard and i do my vocal warm-up and that five minutes before the show that me and the guys we get into a circle and we always talk about the things of the day or what i want to say to motivate it before we go out and rock out knuckle you know give each other knuckles and uh they get ready the in-ears are turned on i start you know doing some stretches and talking to my dad and my sister who were both passed up in heaven and i say let's go rock this out because they were both the musical ones at a young age and i talked to my grandma who lived to be 106 and tell her not to let me forget any of my lyrics so i got stressed about that she's up in heaven and then uh, they hit the the opening and then i go out and i go nuts so that's what i do (laughs) do a tea every day methodically that's, that's how i prep I see. I see. Afterwards, then, how do you get rid of the energy? How do you wind down? Afterwards, I go outside, I cool off for a minute and uh, have a smoke and uh, have some more of my drink. I might do a little hit of weed. Then I go back in and I meet all my fans at the merch booth and uh, take selfies, sign stuff. And then once the next act starts, I leave out of courtesy. After they're done, I'll go back in, meet the fans again, take pictures, because that's how you build a fan base. Uh, you know, I'm a man of the people, and I want people to know I'm strong and I'm there for them. And I preach that when I, in my, my, my lyrics. And I go in and out after, and once the last band's over, I'll go in again and do the same thing. And then I'll try to find a little local pub or a dive bar to go chill, meet some of the locals before I have to get on the bus and head home because I don't want to sit on the bus when I'm going to be on it all night. So I'm very much uh, to myself kind of guy. But when it comes to fans, you know, I spare no, no, uh, I don't waste my time. I, 
not seeing people. I want to go see people. I don't purposely try to avoid it. I think it's important for people to know I'm just like them. I'm a human being just like you or anybody else. And just share that time with them means a lot to them. And I intend to do that even when we become real big. I mean, you buy some merch, you'll get a little ticket. Like me and the whole band, you come back after the show and we'll sign everything for free. I'm not going to charge you to meet me, you know, just come meet us. I mean, you took the time, you spent the money on the ticket, come see us and know what Kurt Timer's all about. So, I like that way of doing it. It's very genuine. And I suppose before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans that are set in stone, anything you'd like to share with us? Well, we got... Uh, uh, November, when I'm done on the Mushroom Head tour, I'll be going out to L.A. to film some stuff for my character, The Grog, from Scared to Death, promo stuff. Uh, we got uh, that film should be coming out anytime. We'll probably have a big premiere and it'll come out in theaters and whatnot. I'll be finishing my debut album. It'll be a double album like back in the day, you know, where you could open it up and tell the story of what my journey's been like so far with it'll have about 16 songs on it so we'll be finishing that so that'll carry me through the end of the year besides maybe some other little projects writing and whatnot then we're going out with tesla in january dates are going to be announced here soon down in florida and some other areas then we're going to do some of our own headline shows some of the markets we've been in in the u.s um, many times um, in between and then we have more tesla dates in march Unless this other tour we're working on, which I can't speak about, comes to fruition, then we'll be going on a five-week run that'll be pretty huge in March and April. Otherwise, we'll do the Tesla dates that we have in March, but we're definitely doing the Tesla dates in January. And then I don't know yet what's happening in the spring or summer, but depending on the schedule of the summer and the spring, we'll, uh, I'll probably try to shoot a movie uh, mid-summer. I've got some projects that I've been asked to be a part of. And uh, if that happens, then I'll try to do some bike biker fests or, or festivals, you know, in between. And then in the fall, we'll go back out on a full-blown tour again, but I'm not sure which one. So it's going to be a busy 2024 because we're starting to grow and we're starting to grow fast. You can feel the momentum, especially once these movies come out too, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I know it's a bit of an impossible question, but how long do we have to wait to see you over in Europe? I'd be there tomorrow. I just, the opportunity, I almost was there with Manowar beginning of this year, but the the financial aspect of it didn't work out. It was uh, unfortunate, but I was almost there then. And as soon as the opportunity arises or, you know, our fan base picks up or one of the movies hits or whatever, I want to be, I want to be in Europe. Hell, I want to buy it buy a, another another home over in ireland and have a base out of uh ireland to tour all over europe so and, and uh that's definitely in my plans for the future it's a good plan it's a good plan and i suppose we uh we'll dive into the last couple these are a couple of fun random music questions but i'm intrigued to see your answers if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only who would it be any performer I had tickets to see Led Zeppelin when John Bonham died, and he died before they got to Houston. So that would be the one show I would like to see Led Zeppelin with John Bonham. Oh, man. That must have really kicked in the stones. Oh, it sucked. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm lucky I saw Randy Rose before he died. It was like two months before he died. I saw Randy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the next one, it's a bit odd. If you had to be locked in a room for 24 hours with any musician from history, who would it be? Just to sit and talk. And I would say who has intrigued me the most? Uh, man, that's a good question. Um, probably not later in his life, but earlier in his life where we could just sit and chill and talk and he'd be chill like me. It would seem he'd probably drink with me, probably smoke with me, uh, Johnny Cash. Right. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening. <laughs> we could vibe. We'd vibe together. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. And I never saw, I never saw Johnny, but I just thought he was cool. And he did, and he did it his way too. You know, he had that low voice. I feel, you know, it's like me and Johnny Cash. You know, that would be badass. Yeah, without a doubt. And the final one. So, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? The soundtrack to my life. What would be the most? Um, dude, this is going to be crazy. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's a Limp Biscuit song, and it's this song, um, Living Life in the Fast Lane, um, Living It Up, Not Giving a Fuck, what, Living Life. What's the, what's the name of that song? It's on Chocolate Starfish, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like the fourth song. Living It Up. Living It Up. That's it. That would be the song that best describes me. I'm not afraid of shit, and uh, I'm living it up, and I'm doing it my way, and I'm to most people, it probably seems like I'm living life in the fast lane. So that's it. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen, Kurt, it's been an absolute blast. Now I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Well, thank you for having me, man. And uh, I, I hope everyone over in Ireland's having uh, a great day and this crazy world. And I can't wait to get over there. And hopefully, everybody will spread the word and uh, look us up and follow us, and that we'll get to Europe even quicker. Because once we do, it'll be the first of many, many, many years. I'm not I'm doing this till I die, so I'll be there a lot. Cigar, you're gonna go far. You're gonna fly high. You're never gonna die. Come in here, dear boy, have a cigar. You're gonna go far. You're gonna fly high. You're never gonna die. You're gonna make it if you try. They're gonna Respect and I mean that most sincere. The band is just fantastic. That is really what I think. Oh, by the way, which one's pink? And did we tell you the name of the game, boy? We call it riding. 
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.